0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Without Context podcast. This is week two of Haley being away, so Decca and Sharky have control. And today we bring you not only one, but two guests. We have Luke, uh, the DM, from The Game Room on Twitch.tv. And we have uh, Devin Young, Mr. Pyrotechnics, right here as well. He's yeah. caster and content creator for the DMs Guild. But I'll let them introduce themselves a little more, and we'll start with Luke here at the top.
1: Sure. Hi. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um. So I am Luke the DM. My job to kill everyone. Uh, I'm currently the primary DM for our. We call it a West Marches style game, but it's kind of something that's grown into something unique. Uh, at the game room, um we've got a rotation of at any point between twenty and thirty players currently, and always growing, and always expanding. Um. We play every Thursday night and. Uh, it's it's been a riot. So uh it's uh kind of a very unique style of DMing. It's it's definitely its own animal, so I'm excited to chat a, bit, a little
0: bit about it. And links links for all of that will be in description as always, and we'll move on to um Mr. Devin here.
2: Hey, uh yeah, I'm I'm Devin Young, or if you follow me in in the esports space, Pyrotechnics is my stage name. Um I write modules and uh, adventures and player supplement stuff uh just kind of like whatever whatever I feel like making on the DM's Guild and and now um going forward on Through RPG. Uh and I also run a a campaign on the Caster's and Castles channel called Covens and Cauldrons because everything has to be alliterative and start with a C yes. <laughs> uh which is a wild beyond the witchlight campaign uh with some homebrew elements and some uh unique uh archfey beings. It's um it's I think it's like my third or fourth campaign and, and the first one I've streamed start to finish will hopefully to finish. Uh, so it's, it's been an interesting experience. The style is a little bit um, a little bit more narrative focused uh, as there's not necessarily as much combat, except my players are killing a lot of things. So maybe I messed <laughs> that up somewhere. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, building so on the, uh... the,
3: the, the Wild <laughs> Beyond the Witchlight is like very unique in that you can just go through it and not get into a single combat encounter.
2: And at least they uh, give you stat blocks i yeah. mean like it, i i feel like it's my fault because i say roll initiative a lot and i think the implication is you have to kill stuff then even though you could just be like whoa let's talk this out and that's your <laughs> turn i don't know
0: i'm still learning <laughs> but, uh, but uh, building on what uh luke said earlier about killing players uh he does i do have a one dead character count on the west marches game oh, yeah. oh, but no. he died he died as a bard would die he and got sucked by true. a succubus. So.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: no i mean that's that's, that's expected cards are want to do
1: yeah
0: yeah yep. but uh i have been uh there in sessions where a lot of people have died. so that's very death true. is death is a normal thing it seems <laughs> now i just hope my cobalt can make it more than four sessions
1: we got so, we
0: got us, i believe <laughs> uh and i think i saw your post about it on twitter uh today pira of uh, silver bestseller now for the Cryptid uh, codex or was no, it's a... actually,
2: for, it's for the Night of the Lucarian, which is a murder mystery one shot. Um, yeah, we just, it just passed the, uh, I believe it's like 101 sales. Um, I put, I made that last summer, I want to say. So it's been like six or seven, uh, like, like six months. Um, yeah, it's it it was kind of my favorite piece to work on because it's like very like pulpy, like the mummy meets like Clue. And it like, I love like one shots like oh. that. You can just drop into anything. Um, And that was, it was a challenge, right? Because it's like, it has to be balanced for like level 10-ish characters because there's a mummy lord, spoilers. But, you know, (laughs) Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I saw a tweet about that. I couldn't remember if it was the cryptid codex or one of the adventures, but uh, congrats on getting it to a silver bestseller.
3: Thank you. That means a lot. What what a flex it is to be like, I'm just going to spoil my own module. I don't care. (laughs) I mean, like
0: like the cover
2: is like, it's very Egypt-y. And my artist, uh, uh, Shay Dreis, does like this really amazing, like stylized, like, you know, everyone NPCs and they're all like Scooby-Doo characters. So if you didn't <laughs> think there was going to be some like mummy shenanigans going on, like, I feel like it's it's uh, it should be pretty obvious.
0: And uh, also a nicely priced module, too. I think it was a what a. Buck ninety five, or is that the Cryptic Codex? I think
2: Cryptic Codex is 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 a dollar ninety five. That one's at two ninety five, I think. And it, every once in a while it goes on sale because DM's Guild does that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty I mean, nice it's price
0: I, I, for I it an page. adventure. Yeah. So. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I, I try to do it by page count because it's only about sixteen. um I might revamp it at some point because there's lots of cool stuff that I hadn't thought about that people said would be good. <laughs> also, my cat's being naughty. I'm gonna go grab him really quick. <laughs> what do you think?
0: Round two with the cat.
1: Round two. <laughs> <laughs> Mine disappeared. I don't know where he went. Yeah, he, where was he was like,
0: oh. "He's like, all right, I'm, I'm done with the table. I'm out of here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm done with this. I'm gonna leave now." Oh,
0: I see the same can cannon something <laughs> being thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm,
2: here. I'm so sorry. You're good. <laughs> okay. uh, no, yeah, it's... he knocked, he knocked something over, and I knocked something over trying to get him down. <laughs> I'm gonna turn off the camera for a sec. I'll be right back. I'm it's still fine, listening we can... though.
0: It's fun. We had a uh, we had to cut in our previous episode because Deka had to go get pizza from the front door because nobody else wanted to go get it. It's nice.
3: But, I, um, I wanted I want the to be to that to know I am on the complete opposite side of where the front door is to get to the <laughs> pizza.
0: But uh, so I guess uh, what we'll do uh when he's back uh, hopefully with cat in hand uh we'll just talk about a. Uh, Everybody's preferred uh, DMing styles or if they have sure. a history with other styles first, uh, what makes it stand out to you okay. uh, individually? And, uh, and then maybe uh, go back into some of our older episode topics uh, that we've done for the podcast. You know, uh, favorite characters you've played, uh, handling uh, stuff at the table, like romance between players, which I know through <laughs> the game room, there is a lot. Yeah. There is romance between characters and yeah. when... Something happens to one of those characters; it is something that like the whole server feels it for a yeah. few days. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a a good topic to get some other DMs inputs on because we had that episode sure. that we talked about. Yeah, I was checking out your
1: guys' uh video list there, and I was like, "Oh, there's some there's some juicy topics in here." We literally
0: That's just like throw good ones so. is without context because we don't have a set theme. We just kind of throw something at the wall and talk about it, it that way.
3: I, I i like that it, it's like uh it, it, i remember like in the in the writer's room that is the discord chat that we have for all the <laughs> other hosts uh, we're just like are, it's t- it's sunday we should probably talk about what we're gonna do on monday eh, and then just monday <laughs> comes along and we're just like shit i'm gonna come up with the topic now <laughs> i
0: just sit at, l- at lunch on work and i'm like so do I pick a topic for the day <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah we'll just wait uh, for Pierre to get back and i'll do some cut magic here and get him Edit back. Post. Edit
3: you, post. Gotta, you gotta do that. We're back. We're back.
2: Um, We're back. The, dirt, the dirt is mostly vacuumed up and the cat is he's in jail right now, which is the bathroom.
0: <laughs> cat timeout.
2: <laughs> yeah, we no, we put him we put him in timeout sometimes and then he uh, then he sits up on top of the shelf and just like stares at us. We call it the toilet guardian.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, you looked, you looked since out we dare you. Yeah, since we're all are back now um uh, you might have heard uh, during the break the first topic we kind of wanted to talk about here everybody's preferred dm style uh is it homebrew is it published uh west marches or more linear um what attracts you to that style or what attracts you to doing homebrew or using a public published adventure as a backbone um so with our guests uh, we'll start with uh, Pyrrha, I know you're running a published adventure right now, modified slightly. Is mm-hmm. that a normal thing for you or is, do you prefer more fully homebrewed adventures?
2: Uh, So, yeah, so I'm I'm a relatively newer DM. I, I've been running campaigns, I think maybe since like 2019. I ran my first, which was Phandelver. Um, I tend to start with an established world most of the time. Uh, Because I find it's a little bit easier to build up and then I try to find like homebrew elements to add to it, especially because most of my players inevitably want to do something homebrew so I want to try and tie that into the world. Um, So it's kind of a mix like I I do have my own homebrew world uh, that I started a campaign at the beginning of the pandemic with that's still ongoing, but I kind of hit a little bit of an eject cord because I realized I didn't have enough world building there. So I (laughs) ended up turning it into a curse of straw campaign. That then became a Ravenloft campaign because Van Richten's guy dropped, and I'm like, there is so much I can do. And right now, my party is like at like a like a grand masquerade in uh, in Dementlu, uh, and like they're doing it to try and get an artifact that's going to give them some power over Strahd. So like it's it's become this whole grand thing that's way beyond what I even originally envisioned. But I'm keeping track of what's happening in the regular world while they're stuck in Barovia. For those of you familiar with the the. Demi planes of Dread and all that. Um, so the, the the short answer is, yes, I do both. Um, but I usually start with an established campaign right now. Wild Beyond the Witchlight is what I'm running for Covens and Cauldrons. But it ties into the greater world of the casters and castles, uh, multiple like ca- campaign universe, um, which is called Anakra, And it was created by the, uh, uh, the the guy who runs the channel Tormented by Gnomes for a lot of his campaigns. So it ties into it. But because it takes place primarily in the Feywild, there's a lot of leeway i can get to do all sorts of things um i I like to have the the flexibility really and and i would like to do my own full homebrew at some point but i think i need a little more experience to do that
0: so you do a the style kind of more of a sandbox where you have this established world and then depending on what your players want to do it's one of these existing adventures you know slightly modified to fit whatever spice they want to put into it
2: yeah, it's, it's a sandbox. There's usually a lot of routes that lead to somewhere I would like to go, uh, but only if it makes sense. Right. I, I think it's really important to get your players on the same page as fast as you can. Session zeros are really, really important um, Very important. Yeah. Like for Covens and Cauldrons, like it's a bit of a railroad esque adventure because you end up where you're going to end up. But the route to get there can be any number of ways and the players can make unexpected decisions that's going to change the outcome. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I tend to favor more of a sandbox style because I really like, uh, letting the players go in whatever direction that appeals to them, but following preset campaigns, there's only so many directions you can really offer. And if the players want to do none of them, that's when I start pulling things up out of thin air and, and trying to do a little (laughs) more world building. Uh, some of the DMs guild stuff out there is really useful for that, by the way. Uh, I, I, I definitely want to shout out, um, I need to, I need to get the actual link and I can maybe give it to you to put in the show notes, but, uh, there's a module I've been using called, um, within Brigand's Tollway that does the, it, it, like, it really expands like the, the Herring Gun, the Rabbit Folk, uh, and like their whole like bandit hideout thing into like an entire actual, like mini adventure that my players are currently invested in. So there's lots of stuff you can use to expand things that aren't in like the regular adventure and a lot of really talented people working on stuff like that.
0: Yeah, DM's Guild does give you a lot of stuff. There are people who are publishing, like, add-ons for existing adventures, like, uh, Descent Into Avernus. I know the first week or so, it was like, here's a bunch of encounter tables. Here's a bunch of, you know, uh, more depth into some of these locations if you want to do it. You just have people who are just pushing out mountains of just third-party sub- uh, supplements for a lot of these published adventures. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. A, it's not bad. It is always good having a published adventure as kind of a backbone to build off of, especially if you are a uh, more recent DM. Uh, how long have you been playing uh, D&D through any edition?
2: Uh, I'm I'm definitely a fifth edition uh, convert. Um, <laughs> it's not technically my first tabletop game, because I think when I was when I was working at Riot, I think we got a group together to try and play World of Darkness. But like it only lasted a session and I didn't really understand the concept of <laughs> of like tabletop role playing. Uh, also, you know, it's, it's not as, it's not as straightforward. I think I, I got into D and D, uh, I was overseas in Shanghai, I believe in like 2018. And, uh, I had a, I had a friend who was also another commentator who, you know, had like a group of other like expatriate folks all getting together and playing, uh, we played Tomb of Annihilation, I think. Oh, and man. I only what made it. Start with? <laughs> yeah, it was a little interesting. Uh, I made, I made like an orc, a half orc druid who was like a stoner. Uh, Basically, Um, like that was like that was his whole thing. He was just like really chill because I didn't really know how to role play. And I'm such a talkative person. I'm like, I want to just like be this like goofy, chill guy. And the first thing my DM did that like really impressed me was he full on rule of cool the dinosaur race bit uh, by letting me turn into like an Allosaurus, which is like beyond the challenge rating I should have been allowed to do (laughs) because we didn't have a dinosaur to enter in the race. So my character (laughs) literally was the dinosaur. And we were being and, and and he was being ridden by like the like our gnome uh uh rogue and it was like the the, the coolest shit ever. So I, from that moment, I was like, I love this game and I want to do way more of it. <laughs>
3: awesome. awesome. Um, I, I had a second place, by the way. I had a I had my I had a DM who was doing Tomb of Annihilation. Was like, hey, uh, do you wanna do you wanna just like guest as one of the NPCs in this in this game? I was like, yeah, sure. So I was Volts Gedarn also on the race, doing the race because I, I was uh, um he was advertising his book, uh, Volos Volos got uh you know um Volo. and and I was disguised as a half elf, you know disguised self half elf I'm writing, I'm writing, and I, I just completely get wasted because you know the players have to come first, um and at the end of it at the end of it he's uh, I I'm like all right so the half elf gets up he's like he pulls out a book he's like everyone buy this book it's so good and they just (laughs) tackle me and escort me out (laughs) no
0: pushing oh my gosh
2: Uh, i do i do think some of the more vibrant npcs that are established are really fun to play around with
1: yeah Mm -hmm. Molo's is a good one all right uh luke so (laughs) i've got a a fun twist for you guys here this is i have never dm'd a like pre-written module Neither have I for some reason, (laughs) for some reason, I, I really struggle with it. I, uh, you know, I, I've tried running like a curse of Strahd sort of thing, or, um, you know, lost minds, whatever. Um, but when I read through these and I can see, you know, the flow of it and everything for some reason, I have a really difficult time role-playing as a character that I didn't conceive. Um, and so I think. In my case, you know, I started playing Dungeons & Dragons back when I was, like, in high school, um, so, like, 2011, um, and absolutely loved it, you know, got a bunch of my buddies together, and I think we kind of did the thing that everyone does when they first start playing, is you just kind of dive right in and really don't pay attention to the rules and just kind of (laughs) have fun and be goofy and role-play and, and, you know, make up your own things as you go, and it's all just a load of, you know, silly, goofy nonsense. but I think that really attracted me that that concept of like creating something and then just constantly expanding on it. Um so I actually started a bit, bit shameful. I started with fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons, um, which, you know, it got got me got me introduced. Um went back to Pathfinder a little bit, which was, you know, a, a lot more hardcore. <laughs> there we go. And then uh fell in love with with 5e just because I think it's the the perfect combination of that sort of like number crunchy grittiness but also like ease of access to players and you're not sitting yeah. there looking through this flow chart of how to grapple it's like it's it it flows nicely i um,
2: have 3.5 players that 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 ask me about grappling all the time and i'm like yeah.
3: uh <laughs> I, have to keep telling, I have to keep telling i have to keep telling sharky when someone gets up from prone no that's not this game they don't yeah. they don't get opportunities
0: yeah because uh, i was playing in a pathfinder campaign for a bit so i was getting really used to that so yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, I think um, so. I've run a a lot of uh, just sort of homebrew world, um, you know, like narrative linear campaigns. Um, I tend to, when I'm like designing a campaign, I I think the way I kind of conceive it is I have these like big cinematic moments, and you have like five or six of these, like you almost theatricize, like almost cutscene video game type moments, and you try to string those together into some sort of cohesive plot or narrative, and then just it's just kind of trickling the breadcrumbs to try to get the players to those particular moments. And obviously they'll veer off and you kind of have to try to, you know, not necessarily railroad. I think I do. I tend to be personally a bit more of a railroad EDM as opposed to like a sandbox DM. But uh, in general, you kind of try to, you know, I create the illusion of choice where, Oh, you know, it's, that's it's like, yeah. That meme of, uh, that is, know, like, left path, that is and right rule path, one. Yeah.
0: Yes. That's what one yeah. of Big DM is—the illusion of choice, yeah. but also making sure your players are having fun with that illusion right. of choice. Because if you're that's... if you're starting to feel like, all right, he's pushing us towards this, right? Then, then they know it's like it doesn't matter what we do, we're going to end up there anyway. Yeah,
1: and that's a that's a so... tough balance of, of trying yeah. to yeah. trying to you know let your players I... have agency. I
2: really like that bit that you mentioned about like the the cinematic moments, because it kind of sounds like like storyboarding, like a TV show or a movie or something where you know you you have this one point. Obviously, there can be a million ways to get to that point, and maybe they'll even happen out of order, which I would argue is like less railroady, right? Like it's you still have a point you want to hit for the narrative, but it doesn't have to it doesn't have to happen for the exact for the exact reasons that you may be thought of in the first right. place or even in the right order. Um, and at, uh, you know, you said you're more of a railroady DM as a sandboxy person, I'm never planning more than like a few sessions in advance at most. <laughs> like I have a general outcome for the pre-written stuff, but like overall, I'm kind of just like, I'm looking at like potential scenes that could take place like that session. And if they don't happen, I'm like, cool out the window. And sometimes a session is just a full shopping thing where the players just love the weird goblin npc that has a that has a uh, full on like cockney accent and just wants to sell them junk which has what's happened the, uh, in my campaign. What's the um, joke?
0: It was like, what's the joke? It's like you walk into a bar and uh, you walk into a tavern and there's like a hooded figure in the corner and one of the players asks, is there anybody else in the bar? It's like, yeah, there's a goblin. His name is Boblin. They're like, I want to talk to Boblin.
2: Boblin's <laughs> Boblin. for giving a very compelling name. That's X, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah.
0: That's it's on just, them. It's just one of those moods, like yeah. as a DM. I, I keep posting it in our Discord for... Uh, the game that I'm running, I'm just like, God, being a DM is so hard for you guys because <laughs> like <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to like make these like challenging but balanced like fights and all that, and then it's just like one thing I didn't account for just like leads to that, that scene of everything. the leads to that scene of the Justice like animated movie of Green Lantern just getting beat up by the <laughs> three pair of demons, and I'm like,
3: I, I can't Light plan Beasts. for this
0: party. Bladespeeds
2: <laughs> like, are. Are brain breaking. I can't. I can't handle them. I can barely make battle maps.
3: Give everyone, Earthwind.
2: Yeah. I'm just, oh, that happened. Yeah, I might. I uh, one of one of my big bads recently. Big bads. He was like a like a mini boss kind of character. Uh, yeah. He f- hard failed a whole person.
1: <laughs>
2: and I'm like, well, there goes this fight. <laughs> that sounds very sharky. Would
0: yeah, you like a, to talk about it? There's a moment I'm going to talk about when Luke's finished. About my damning style and what I have to do for the party of (laughs) collectively 10 with 11 characters, because you run two. Because what I did was I ran two campaigns, two campaigns of four to five players. And then I realized each of these campaigns are missing something. And then when I thought about joining them, I realized that one party's backstory was the perfect fit for another character's like conflict. So oh, it all just I tied it just <laughs> tied together better and gave me a more understandable like plot line to move forward. So I'm now having a lot of
2: is what you're telling
0: me. Well, <laughs> a few of them don't play all the time. We have two okay. we have two players that usually aren't around to play. So most sessions, uh at most, it's eight players. But they deco and the rest of them uh, have played long enough to understand like one player doesn't control the table. They all find a good balance, and I don't have to kind of police the players around to keep things in order, so
3: we, thankful we for also that, have but, a, We also have a bunch of, like, role-playing t- channels so that we can get our yeah. fix there. So between sessions, if
0: they want to do, like, in-character stuff and not take up session time, because we only have three hours a week to play, they can just That's do really that That's really cool, actually. That's a really and, cool uh, idea. Because we're kind of hopping around the story right now, so there's a lot of downtime technically between everything. But, uh, back to Luke. Uh, yeah, that, so he, uh, Sure. Um, so I've got,
1: you know, basically, I found myself can't get enough of D&D, you get that that fix. So I found myself DMing a bunch of different mini campaigns. And you know, a lot of them fizzle out after five or six sessions, and a couple of them stick around. But what ended up happening for me is I uh, ended up running a couple like multiple year campaigns and ran them in the same world concurrently. And they were kind of, you know, Different isolated, you know, and there'd be the occasional nod or wink to something that happened with the other person, but they were separate enough plots. But in that process, and I think um, you know, the players really contribute this with their backstories and their ideas, and you kind of pull little pieces and, and incorporate it into this larger world, is you end up with a very, very wide and fleshed out world with all of these different cities and and factions and and political regimes and everything. Um and it was right around early pandemic, actually just about two years ago, uh, that we decided let's let's crank this up. Let's um let's make this, let's open this up to a Westmarch's style thing where I have this established world. I have a lot of NPCs and history and, and, and locations to draw off of. Um, so it kind of helps with a lot of the improv stuff. Um and the beautiful part about it is as we get more players, every single player has their own backstory, their own ideas. And so you're constantly just kind of tacking that on and expanding that world building and so we actually have a, a a world anvil site with articles on every character and every location and and everything and so if someone wants to come in and just dive right in and learn everything there is about the world it's this nice neat organized thing um but kind of going back to uh what you guys were talking about a little bit um you know just managing large party sizes and everything you know with the the west marches campaign it's interesting because we've got you know, at any given time, we've only got five players in a session, but uh, there's 30 players in the roster um, and all of them have interweaving backstories and, and relationships. And, you know, so you're not necessarily playing with the same people every week, but you might run into those people every once in a while. And so I think that that we have this we call a tavern chat, the sort of text based channels just for role playing when you know you can't get your fix if it's not your your week to play or whatever. Um, I think that helps flesh out those, you know, inter-character relationships a lot more. Um, Because sadly, in a a West Marches campaign and we stream on Twitch, um, you know, we've only got three and a half hours to play or so. And so there's, you know, we're very mindful of, you know, the screen time. We don't want to keep people up, you know, till past midnight playing D&D on a a weeknight or whatever. So you kind of have to, it's like herding cats, just kind of keep them. Moving and 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 you know keep the the plot flowing and the action flowing to to not only you know finish your sort of self-contained little mini one shot of a of a session but also you know keep the the episode side manageable for the audience as well. Um, so I think it's really helpful to to have those options for role playing, um, because I mean what's D and D without role playing really? And and I think you know I I try to manage expectations and and you know I think a big part of that is just treating everyone equally across the board um being fair to everyone not playing favorites not giving out special treats or anything but also the balance of making every player feel special you know I want you to enjoy this game I want your character to feel like a badass I want you to you know enjoy this so it's how do you do that equally and fairly for everyone and also how do you manage your time because you got some players that just love it and want all the attention and you got some players that are like yeah I'll figure it out you know so it's you got to kind of go on the seat of your pants and, and figure it out you know how do i make this work for all of these players uh, and sometimes you have to be a hard ass sometimes you have to say no um because some players ask for a lot but uh and
0: uh unfortunately you have to enforce previous rulings upon newer players yes. even when you learn that the ruling initially was wrong right right we had a um, uh, one specific specific event was the finger of death spell that correct. took away that killed one of our player characters because the wording of it is weird and yeah. you had to rule it the same way as you did the previous encounter that i guess killed another pc
1: right so i had like so there was this ago. brief yeah. there was this
0: brief argument we said you know we have to rule this the same way it's only fair to rule this the same way right and so and, it's you know,
1: i think once it's kind of laid out like that you know it's it is more what accepting is. Yeah. of it it's yeah. like all
0: right this is how we're going to be wording it going forward. Just so we know now as a group, we know what to expect if this happens.
1: Yeah, And I think it's important as a DM to kind of have that humility to to recognize like, yeah, I, I wow, I totally misread that. I misinterpreted that I messed up, um, you know, and, and being willing to admit that and, and, you know, potentially retcon things and that sort of nature. Um, you got to be flexible and open to that sort of thing i think when you're when you're dming a campaign with all these different types of characters but i think once you have sort of these hard precedents set and locked it kind of becomes the campaign canon so to speak going forward like these are this is how we're going to rule it and i think to try and kind of pin down or write every single possible thing like that is is challenging but um you kind of go with the flow and kind of keep you know the big ones you'll remember for sure like a finger of death spell um like a
0: pc like a finger of death killing pc you're going to remember what ruling you made on that and it's going to be easier to be in that situation again and be like here's what we did last time like we have to right do with this time.
1: So when you whip out that spell for the third time the whole party knows like oh shit no this is this is this yeah. is for real yeah gird your loins
2: yeah that's, that's so hard to do and sometimes sometimes you just break the game i uh i, I broke my dm's game once as a wizard um and you can probably <laughs> guess with which spell uh because i fireballed a whole room of people but it was in fairness somebody was trying to duel me and none of my party were helping. And we ended up having to retcon like an hour because basically we just derailed everything entirely. (laughs) Um, It's so hard. It's so hard to give that, like to give that like level of attention to everybody in like a, in like a three and a half or like four hour session. Like I, I struggle with that so much. And I always am like trying to review player backstories to be like, okay, what kind of like, what kind of like dream or like message from their patron or something. Can I give them this time? Like what kind of cinematic moment can I give them? Or like knowing that this character's backstory is relevant for this session and how I'm going to work that in, like it's such a challenge, and I really, really respect how much, how much work you've you, like just from the way you're talking about it, how much work you like put into doing that for like a revolving cast, that's even more difficult.
0: The thing I think that makes it uh, I would guess a little bit easier for the game room doing it is uh, a lot of the sessions are just self-contained like one-shot stories. like there is right. an overarching plot to it, but I could go in. As my cobalt, and it's like, hey, we're going into this basement to clear out this infestation of space spiders, basically. And like the next campaign, it could be like, hey, we're doing some Indiana Jones shit. And that's just where the campaign, we're, that's what that's the job we're hired to do yeah, by right. the people hiring us. So, adventure of the week style, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that format, you know, we've got the formula
1: that works really well of okay, we have, you know, your introduction of problem, initial encounter, role play. Problem solving, second encounter, resolution, reward. You know, it's yeah. kind of like this, this stepwise thing. Um, and you got then, a flowchart. Yeah, and then there's these sort of like little threads and little plot hooks that you know, if you want to just sit and play and watch this one episode, you can do it. But if you're in it for the long run and you've been paying attention for the last two years, it all kind of builds up to these big cinematic moments. And and occasionally I have you know these these sort of large plot episodes i'll call them or whatever where it's kind of like i you know i think it's important for the dm to have fun too i think yeah. uh, so i kind <laughs> of like say you know everyone this is my this session's for me like let's let's be real this session's for <laughs> me. um i'll pick the characters that i think you know most kind of respect this is my
2: season finale binge watch finish exactly. like y'all, y'all are the <laughs> actors i mean that's right. that's what a
1: dd campaign
2: is in a way right, right? like right. it's like the dm i'm the director yeah, i know that um. Uh...
0: I think the most recent, uh, I think that big player death with the finger of death spell was actually the season finale before Christmas break actually that you was, guys yeah. took. Yes. So it's like uh, mid season finale, just this beloved character dying. Yeah, I was like, you I even said that possession, session. Like I was like, Christmas? I was like, mm-hmm. this is a straight up mid season like cliffhanger, isn't it? <laughs> like, oh, wow. and it just sucks because I, I, for the short time that I was there, I was only probably in the group for about a month at that point, and I knew That's that uh, that character was like beloved. Like I would see it in tavern chat, just like she was so loved by everybody and then it just goes like in a turn just gone yeah
1: that was uh that was you know one of these moments that changes an entire campaign like and for everyone for the entire helix adventuring company like
0: that's a game changer yeah because uh, she she knew stuff like from what i could tell like she had the information to what we were pursuing and she is now gone Right. So... And so
1: that's also, you know, in this in this Westmarch's style. Every mission gets these little tidbits, these little these little nuggets of information. And we have these text-based channels. We have these tavern chats where people can share that information in character canonically and kind of build together. So even if you didn't watch last week's episode, but you read it in tavern chat or whatever, you can kind of put the pieces together and it's almost this like collective theory crafting. And sometimes I'm just like yep, they're on to me. Or sometimes I'm like, man, they're way off, but that idea sounds cooler. I'm going to steal that, you know? like
0: <laughs> that's That's rule number two of being yeah. a DM. It's like, wow, that idea is so much better than the one I had planned originally. And then you just like oh. write down a new note. <laughs> Like...
2: What was the what was the meme about? Like I think it was like the Thor Ragnarok thing, like the behold my stuff. Except it's like this is like behold my homebrew, and it's like thing that the players said five sessions ago. Like favorite pop culture items. It's, just, it's like, <laughs> like, like this is this is the homebrew. It's just an yep. amalgamation of everything I think is cool.
0: I think it's a uh, I think Matt Coville, one of the uh, big D and D personalities on YouTube, says a uh, good DMs borrow, great DMs steal. I was just and about to quote that. Yep, it's just. <laughs> D- the best D&D campaigns for homebrew are just plagiarized. <laughs> like, it's just a bunch it's of plagiarism. Fair, it's,
2: it's fair use. You can't copyright a campaign. but uh, <laughs> Except Wizards, I guess, but whatever. Eh.
0: I wanted to bring up something about the West Marches style, and that's the uh, player buy-in that comes with it. Uh, the sessions, the players that do it, they get a specific point that you use in your system. Uh, yeah. for a variety of things, and you can spend enough of those points to get a personalized like backstory mission, right?
1: Right. So so as part of this, and to try to kind of reward people for being consistent and playing, and then, you know, I also not just turn into like a player-killing machine. We have these things called tea leaf points that you can spend as basically like a luck point. We use them as almost like a DKP system, like old school World of Warcraft style to bid on magic items that drop. Um, and also, like you said, um, if you save up, a certain number of them you can get your own personalized backstory mission you get to pick the players that come with you um and we've been doing those for a while now and they're some of my favorite um and that's where i I really get to sit down with the player individually i set up a time for discord calls um and we just talk about you know what do you want out of this backstory what kind of vibe are you feeling what kind of session do you want to have um and and it's amazing what players will bring you some players just give me like almost like a script of i want this to happen i want to fight this monster and then this guy dies and then and i'm like it's beautiful you did all the work for me thank you save time. <laughs> And other players are like um i don't know i think it'd be cool if there was like uh a, a fairy or something and i'm like all right got it i can i can take it from there you know and it's it's a really, paw <laughs> it's, it's, it's so fun to like work with as little or as much as a player wants to give you and really give them that special you know this is your moment you design encounters that are you know based around their characters abilities things like that um and even some of the backstory missions that have happened i'll tie in like a little bit of my own like your backstory actually connects to the main plot line sort of thing uh which is always a really cool way to make those characters really highlighted and feel special um and i think those tend to be some of our more popular episodes too because you know people
0: are interested invested. in
1: characters yeah and they're invested people are very so.
0: invested because i mean in tavern chat you're like you're in character talking to this other character you're becoming friends you know the community is becoming friends with each other and it's like we're gonna help this guy you know do something for his past let's let's go
3: <laughs> like, right let's...
1: it's like what's hell yeah let's go um it's uh yeah it's it's really cool and um as as part of uh The backstory missions, I also give them custom artifacts, almost like I don't want to call them vestiges, but I think that's kind of, you know, the idea of like a a weapon that sort of evolves with you. So as you unlock more backstory missions, your artifact will get powerful. They're not necessarily only weapons or anything. They can be spell books or necklaces or whatever, but um, it's really fun to also like talk to a player and, and be like, okay, so what do you feel like your character's missing? What sort of abilities do you want? What sort of, you know, what kind of cool magic shit you want to do and I'll, I'll let you do that. And that's a really cool way to, you know, mechanically combat flavor-wise also what those
3: characters feel special.
1: So you try to hit it with the, the role-playing side and the, you know, the mechanic side too.
3: And uh, I you like that, the uh, the uh, the aspect of like, how you're mentioning like, and you, again, I just want to point this out, 30 people that you have to do this, that you don't have to, but you do this with, because either you, you know, like their characters, you like the person, or whatever the case may be. It's very impressive. And I want to, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that is extremely impressive.
0: It is impressive. Yeah. And it's, uh, it isn't, it is impressive. And I know he's, a uh, Luke's not the only DM. I know that, uh, WeWoo, I believe, also does. That was uh, my second release. question.
3: You're set, so, you yeah. keep saying we.
1: Yeah. So, um, I've had co-DMs before. Um, WeeWoo is also uh, sort of co-leader of the game room. Um, he is sort of my tech guy because I know absolutely nothing about streaming, but he kind of gets the stream set up um, and occasionally will switch where I will manage the tech side and he will DM and everything. Um, and so that's kind of cool where we he just kind of has his own continent to the north of my you know, main focused area and does his own thing and they're very very loosely connected there's like tiny little mentions but it's almost like you know like age of exploration india versus europe kind of vibes where it's like there's there's definitely communication between the two regions but it's it's pretty minimal
3: Um, you have to take a ship there and it takes like three weeks
1: right exactly um so and we've had guest dms before um we've had you know dms that have tried and didn't really work out um and i think I think one of the I I would love the idea of having more DMs. I think, and it's uh you know it's exciting to to have my world just continually expand and and you know have people contribute to it. But I think it's again it is a challenge just because of the time crunch, um, because of you know the limited format that we have being a, a yeah. Twitch streamed game. Um, so it does require like a bit of uh, I don't know like a fin- a finesse or a, a technique to it. Um, and sometimes you got to know how to you know politely but firmly kind of move edge players along to to, to yeah. keep it moving otherwise because you, you have to have the
2: players... discipline yourself too right like yeah. yeah like my my instinct is to just like kick back and let the players do things but when there's a clock you Man. have to push things forward and it's like so hard to like do it without just being like out of character all right y'all need to like move unless it's like combat and they're taking like two minutes over their spell book but um yeah yeah it's 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 hard to do it's and, and with so just... many different players
0: i think that's just player etiquette though like knowing what your spells do knowing what your abilities are that is mostly the player's responsibility to understand yeah, yeah. how to play the dm can answer questions but he's not there to know your character sheet right and
1: and with the west marches game we advertise it as a beginner friendly game we want to encourage people to come and try D for the first time and see if they like it um and so but there is a like you said there's a balancing act the players do have a certain responsibility where it's you know, you need to do your homework. You need to be prepared, and we're there to guide you. We're not there to memorize your character sheet. And you know, we've got players of all different experience levels, and and I find that a lot of the you know more experienced players actually help out a lot of the newer players a lot too, which yeah. which definitely helps take some of the pressure off. But uh, you know, it's it's such a rewarding feeling when you know, a brand new player tries something for the first time and like casts that spell for the first time and is like whoa that worked, you know, and then you see them kind of <laughs> falling back on those old reliables that they you see the better. love.
0: You see the yeah, love starting to to yeah. enter. Yeah, <laughs>
2: that's. I mean, that's the whole reason you want to do like like that. That's what Fifth Edition is so good at, right? It just it gives you that moment as a player of like, oh, I can do this cool shit, <laughs> and like you had to like think about it and and like come up with a creative way to do it. You're not just like a superhero for minute one, but if you like plan something out and it's crazy and it works, it feels so rewarding. Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, like I've and got- as a
2: DM, it's like, oh yes, my. <laughs> yes, my babies are growing up. Like, that's how it feels to me.
1: I've got one player who is relatively new. I'm in a couple other games with her, and uh, she's playing a wizard, an, e- an evocation wizard, and, like, her signature Ooh. spell is Gust of Wind, which, to, like, an experienced, like, power gamer kind of, you know, it's like... like what? That, two, doesn't do, that doesn't like, do a lot. Yeah, Like, Gust of Wind, cool. It's a second-level spell. That should be, like, a cantrip. But, like, the creative uses that she's had for this spell and, like, <laughs> the game-changing way that she, like, Avatar The Last Airbender, like wind tunnels a bunch <laughs> of enemies out of the way. It's like so, so cool. And like every time she casts it, I'm just like, you go, Willow. Like, let's go. That's so awesome, you know?
3: I have a tangential story to this sp- to the spell Gust of Wind that was just <laughs> told to me last night by by somebody who's been playing D&D since, I believe, second edition. Um Gust of So Gust of Wind is a spell uh, that, you know, makes a Gust of Wind, of course. Um this player uh back in second edition, what featherfall the way featherfall specifically was worded is that it made you as light as a feather. No, I can already see <laughs> so, this is going. Yeah, yeah, you know where this is going. <laughs> so they cast featherfall on, on, on a rock. You know, the big the big bird thing. Oh. Cast gust on it, splatters against the rocks. <laughs> that's super clever. That's that's second edition for you, baby. Yeah. Physics um. are
2: very weird when magic gets involved. Even oh, in yeah. fifth ed, yes. though, like, ugh.
0: what's the? Oh, uh, wow, what was the question in Discord? It was like, hey, can't we just like teleport around? Wouldn't these cities have like teleportation circles? And I'm like, don't make me consider how magic like this would affect everyday life in this world. I don't want to think about that.
3: <laughs> in <laughs> fairness, in fairness, that's Atlantis, the most technologically uh, yeah. proficient place in the wor- in your world, so.
0: Uh, one more thing uh, before we move on yes. to Decca, uh, Talking about this actually might probably go to like an hour and a half based on the time we have <laughs> already Oof. talked about. Um, <laughs> the thing with published adventures is that they're set for a level range. You know, uh, some adventures, one to fourth characters. This adventure is meant for fifth to eighth level, fifth to ninth level characters. The Westmarch's style uh, that you do is if you come in, you're level one. That's it, but you could also be going on an adventure with a level four and a level three. And the combat encounters have to be balanced for that party disparity.
1: Yes. And that's so, probably the most Some level difficult.
0: ones don't make it. <laughs>
1: that's probably the most difficult aspect is uh, you know, balancing encounters and like that. And like especially, you know, when I have little baby level ones, I tend to like very, very easy, simple rats in the basement kind of missions. Um and I think it's fun to see players almost take those protector roles. Like, these are my children. I will not let them die. You know, I'm a level four fighter. They got a little level one, you know. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I intentionally broke up these sort of level brackets into those tiers. We have like beginner tiers, level one through four. Adventurer tier is five through nine. And the next tier, when no one's reached that yet, is hero tier, where we have uh, 10 through like 15. Um, and for a couple it's reasons. like Adventures was- League. Yeah, it, it, I, I did take a lot of inspiration from that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think number one, it just helps make, make bouncing encounters easier. But number two, I think especially for new players, when you come in with your little level one character and your two spell slots and you, you know, if you were playing with someone level eight, casting these crazy spells. Kind of makes you feel a little lame. It's like, well, I'm kind of getting carried like I don't feel like I'm contributing. But if you kind of crunch those, you know, party sizes into more similar levels then everyone's you know contributing like a level two versus a level three it's like mm-hmm. you know they're still making an active difference in the mission so that's, that's, it
3: that's can't match a I guess
1: right <laughs> <laughs> it can't miss
2: except
0: with a shield <laughs> then it uh, we, don't, we don't talk about that <laughs> um I give shield way too willingly to my players I mean <laughs> Every it's...
2: it's a ri- I, I uh I, I, I dirt, I have an a fighter. rogue I, yeah, I have an Arcane Trickster Rogue, and, like, I took it, and then I realized that my feet, which is Defensive Duelist, is completely useless, unless I want to just save a spell slot.
0: <laughs> mm. But, uh, let's move on to, a uh, Decker. I know you run games, uh,
3: or is it, a uh, Dire Bear? Is that the... Yeah, uh, I don't run games for Dire Bear. Uh, every now and again, I'll be like, hey, guys, who wants to, who wants to play in this weird one-shot? Um, because, uh, so what I tend to do is dire bear i love them they play almost exclusively fifth edition um and all the worlds are unique enough that you know you're not going to get the same thing in every single in every single game so like the the monday game is like this uh industrial revolution-esque um european area where like the magic exists and there's this there's this you know a group of people who go inv- investigate mysteries that are magic based. Uh my Tuesday game that I play and I play Star Wars. Um Star Wars the RPG from like
0: 1987.
3: <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Wow. Oh, um cool. it's d 6s it's easy to play. Oh, yeah. Um uh on Wednesdays is uh another fifth edition game and so on and so forth. Um but I like I like being that that break in the fifth edition on on Tuesday.
1: <laughs>
3: um but anyway, yeah. uh as far as like me being a dungeon master is concerned, I uh I have run I've probably out of everybody here, uh I've probably run the most different systems. Um cause I've run uh fifth edition, I've run Starhold for Sharky's birthday that once time. That was fun. Um I've run uh Monster of the Week. I've run um uh, uh i and this other RPG that I'm gonna posit it to all three of you actually. Uh, That comes from the people who, uh, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Drawfee. Uh, Drawfee, they do, uh, they do like, they're like artists. They do different artist challenges on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, I've just seen the name, but it's like very like vaguely escaping me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They used to be part of College Humor. Anyway. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. Uh, So they, uh, Jacob Andrews from that, uh, that group uh, made a tabletop game called You Awaken in a Strange Place. And when you guys were talking about like world building and coming up with a concept for a for a game, uh, You Awaken in Strange Places is actually just perfect for that, because you just let your players do it. The first <laughs> 30, 45 minutes is like uh, you create the world. Uh, your, your players create the world uh, based on a an adjective, a genre, and a location. Nice. And that, that, that's what they got to go on. And then they that's make their characters they make their characters uh, based on uh, action verbs, um, which can be pluses or minuses depending on you know which one you're going to pick, and then and then the GM is given five minutes to make a story, and then you have the story, and that's <laughs> that's the one shot.
2: Sounds really fun. Although I would have a massive anxiety attack in
3: the DMC. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have so I've I've run that. I always over prep. I've run I've run that game twice for uh, for Dire Bear um it is just it's it's really fun to watch what the players come at me with and uh sometimes you get some really cool stuff like some incident in the past toys have grown to the size of people and i'm like i can work with that <laughs> and sometimes in the same game they're like people don't there are no restrooms people have void diapers and i'm like
0: all right <laughs> really all right Weird how flex, do I,
3: but okay
0: how do i do this <laughs> I don't
3: is what is what I decided on i don't I don't do it everyone just has one. it's fine <laughs> but i I do like um I would say my my dming style as far as like fifth edition is concerned is very like lackadaisical like I like to let my players feel empowered to do what they want to do uh unless they give me a backstory where their backstory is uh yeah, I lost my memory as a teenager. go nuts, I'm like, all right, well now you're wanted for murder <laughs> <laughs> The fun right, players just... where they're just like, give me something ridiculous. Alright,
2: Jason
0: right. Bourne. <laughs> Wish
3: granted. <laughs> uh that was that was a fun little arc where it's like, oh, you've been in Waterdeep for a while now, and uh the family that whose person you you know, it was a hunting accident, so you like accidentally killed somebody, that's fine. Um uh, but the trauma, you know, memory loss and all of that stuff. Uh and it playing uh, Dick Cheney?
0: Like <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just
3: why am I 70 years old and where did I get this <laughs> suit? So just one day they just knock on the door like is uh, Will Ware in here? Yes. You're under arrest for murder. What? That's right in the session. <laughs> Ooh, cliffhanger. I'm very good at doing those cliffhangers for my players. They're like, what does that mean? What did you do? Like, I didn't do anything. You did it.
0: I think, um, uh. I think when it comes to our group, the group that I run for I get, like, the simple backstories. Like, uh, Alvin's is, hey, uh, I want to be just a guy in a suit of armor with a weapon who was trained to, like, hunt demons. And I was like, I can do that. And I, would like, tied him into whatever. And then it's uh, a backstory for our character, Gwen, where it's like, I probably won't even be able to touch on, like, the first, like, paragraph of her backstory. And I just kind of went with, like, the second half of it. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't think we're ever going to get to that part of the world to explore that. <laughs> so gonna just kind of what i grab what i can out of all these backstories and put them to this plot here so
2: whatever you can use for like the the moment right like i have um so the campaign that i'm that i'm running that i've just been running not streamed um that started in a home world that became like curse of straw and ravenloft all the player backstories relate to the home world so the fact that they're in barovia is kind of weird <laughs> but one of the players is like like a like like a very like trevor belmont like vampire hunter. So that works. So I've sort of like tied that in and how like Barovia used to exist in like my world's prime material, but isn't anymore. Um, and like for the other characters, like one of them is from like a distant continent. That's like kind of not as like interconnected as the one that they, they started on. And like their whole backstory was they like accidentally murdered their child uh, and got expelled from like their society. And their whole redemption arc at the end, if we ever get there, is going to be like going back and figuring out why that happened. And I've been feeding like little like dream bits and information because uh, they're like a they're like a were tiger. And the way I'm playing it out is that they're spoilers. If if y'all are watching, don't wait till after this. Uh, <laughs> <I hear. laughs> um, they they're like they're like the 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 lycanthropy is actually like them sharing a soul with this other like entity. That's like a tiger that was placed inside of them as like a like a demon's punishment, effectively. So like the the end arc is gonna be like them finding a rock, fighting a Rakshasa or something like that.
1: That's so cool,
2: yeah. If that we ever really get cool. there, I have all these little like little like like breadcrumbs of like after the main plot, after Barovia, if you all survive, here's things you can do to clear <laughs> up. But like if people don't want to chase that, then it's fine. Like I just give them the option. So like mm-hmm. get leading it up is a good way to see see what kind of what kind of pieces people are interested in, right?
0: It's a uh, laying out breadcrumbs and seeing what's uh what's taken. What happened?
3: Totally different direction too. Mm-hmm. I do. What happens do when them. you're like the party that Sharky has, where they they just take we take every single breadcrumb, <laughs> every single pull. until everyone is happy. Yeah, that's
1: just like World of Warcraft, just mass quest turn ins, just yeah. pick uh, them. That's
3: all what we up. do. <laughs> yeah. I thought What's about doing hour?
2: like a like arc until everybody's like backstory is complete, right? Like, like I actually like I feel like this was highly influenced by me playing Octopath Traveler.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when um, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add, Decca, before we?
3: um uh so as far as uh like the you guys were mentioning the balance between like modules and like homebrew content um the first module i ever finished start to end was storm king's thunder um i put enough homebrew in it for it to fit into my my action my my world uh and the idea is that it's storm king's thunder as the plot goes you know you start in the town, towns attacked by giants. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh and but it fits in my world. Uh the only exception is that the the most offensive name in there in the module took them out. It's yeah. it's bad. It's a bad Pao Ming is a bad name. Yeah, yeah. it's a
0: when it's you look a bad at name. when you look at modules sometimes it's like mm, we can probably change that. Especially
2: <laughs> the stuff that's a little bit older, not even older editions, yeah. just like early fifth edition where you're like Like, Hal
3: Ming is from 2016. Come on, guys.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Curse of Strahd. I mean, they they made a whole they they revamped it because their you know their version of the Romani is pretty stereotypical, and I immediately changed all of that. Thanks hugely to the Curse of Strahd subreddit, by the way, because they have an insane amount of like homebrew changes that make NPCs and plot lines and everything way more interesting. And that's like Mm -hmm. one of the most popular modules. But like. Yeah, you know, I mean, everybody's biases creep in and that, you know, Wizards are no exception. Yeah. I
0: yeah. think that was uh, one of the things I saw about the, like, uh, reprint edition of Curse of Strahd. It's like, hey, we've added this whole section changing around the uh, Vistani. I think they're called.
2: Yep. Yep. Something no, like that. No, no shit uh, at Wizards. Don't buy it. Just go to the Curse of Strahd subreddit. Way cheaper <laughs> and way more rewarding.
0: But it's like, I'm happy that they went and did that, though. I'm happy yeah. to see, like, that yeah. growth. Uh, and moving forward, like they're talking all this stuff, it's like here's this creature, you know, typically evil. Instead of you know this is, if somebody's reading the book for the first time, they're like, oh, this has to be evil. Yeah. And like those mm-hmm. changes to like
2: never made, never made sense. Like it's yeah. it, Like I, I remember reading it when I first started doing D and D, and I'm just like, well, that's stupid. I'm just gonna like give them. Mol- <laughs> I'm like,
3: simply not going to. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong.
2: I threw a party of goblins at my players at like level one, and they killed them. And then one of my care, one of my players was like. But what if they weren't actually evil and in my DM brain I'm like, oh maybe <laughs> I should do that. Maybe I should make things more complicated and that's why Have like a note from their wife, like yeah. I got I got dinner when you come home, honey. Yeah. Well what that's the, uh... that's just mean. But I mean like yeah, like like the whole <laughs> the whole like this entire race of creatures is evil. It's like if they're yeah. like mindless monsters, it's one story. If they're like even vaguely intelligent, that feels so reductive and yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the um uh... I think in terms of changing with the time for D and D, like the Drow needed it the most. It's like, hey, we're not going to make this entire race of dark-skinned, evil, god-worshipping elves. It's like, let's not do that. Let's make it a little more black and white. (laughs) Like, let's um, say that there's some sects that aren't, you know, following law. Let's say like the evil ones do follow law. So now you have this more honestly complex society now.
2: Well, I really where... like the way it's done in Crit Roll too, right? If if you watch like Campaign Two, there's it's mm-hmm. really focuses on these like Luxon following, uh, dark elves, yeah. which is like a way more interesting concept because it still encompasses the Lulth stuff, but as like a you know a people that were freed from tyranny, effectively,
0: right? Yeah. And uh, you have that in my game, Deco, where it's like, hey, you guys go to the Underdark, and it's like, oh no, Drow, and they're like, yeah, we'll help you out. It's just like yeah. questions yeah. asked, and it's like, oh, we
3: were just okay. chilling with the Drow, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My character hated it because he hated being underground without the stars, but I mean, it was still cool. The draw were nice. The food was good.
0: I'm going to go, I'm going to talk about this whole thing of the prep that you had me do for your character in that campaign. Because I'm like, <laughs> hey, I have this. So when it comes to my campaign setting, I stole everything. There's steampunk England. There's conquistador Spain. There's gothic horror Germany there's renaissance france as and it's basically a world map. It's an actual world map, but I found one that had like three additional like continents on it, which is supposed to be like Atlantis, Lemuria and mew the three legendary like lost lands. So I was like, okay, the elves are going to live on Atlantis because that just fits. So and uh so I had like all these settings and it's like, hey, this one shot's going to be on this little island to the south of Atlantis and Decca here is like, "Hey, I want to play this a uh, total character." And I was like, Hmm, I'm. I i do not know where I can fit him. He's like, I'll give him kind of like a pollen, like a Maui kind of aesthetic. And I was like, all right, let me design this whole other part of the world real quick, so I can get this like total society like figured out. I
3: helped you. (laughs) You did,
0: but it was just like, here's Europe, and like Atlantis, and like this whole thing. And he's like, I'm gonna make one all the way over here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Whenever you have a map, your players will want to go beyond that. They want to be on the edges. You know. Oh no,
0: I screwed up that campaign because. When I was running the two campaigns, one of them was taking place in America on the world map, but it was an area that was unexplored by the Dominion, which is Europe. So I was going to have like a uh, the whole like frontier land and you know meeting the native species there and all that and uh, setting up a new place to live. And then like three sessions in, I'm like, you know what, let's go planar. And I completely like moved <laughs> away from that whole campaign setting to something else. I've been trying to. Course correct. Ever since <laughs> but,
2: it's the ultimate ripcord. That's why I did Barovia because it's like, can you not handle what's going on in your current plane of existence? Just but, um, zap the players somewhere else, off to yeah. the Beastlands
3: with us. Yeah. yeah, off
0: to the Beastlands. Uh, <laughs> but when I was about what's probably seventeen sessions into one of the campaigns and like twenty into like twenty something into another, I was like, I'm missing something from these campaigns. uh So I was like, you know what? We're gonna go on break for the holidays. I'm going to combine these two campaigns together. And then I was like looking I was rereading like backstories and stuff and I was like this fits like this is the piece that I was missing. Like this whole thing with this character is like the perfect like catalyst for everything and everything else ties in so much better with this new related individual to that character like being the center of it. And um uh, When it comes to stuff like the West marches game where everybody has their backstory, but it doesn't directly affect what's going on until, you know, a personalized mission or a backstory that ties into a pre-existing module, uh, to, in some way to kind of give it, you know, that character a reason to be there. Uh, a lot of the campaigns that I run or have ran in the past never finished. It's hopefully the first campaign we're going to finish. Uh, The campaign story is intrinsically tied to all of these characters like they are directly related to the events going on through whatever means in their backstory fits the best. And the easiest way for me to do that was everybody's backstory has a person they hate. All (laughs) those people are working together. So let's just nip it all in the butter right now. All of these people are working <laughs> you for Legion the
3: big bad. Of doomed your players, okay? <laughs> you really did. That was a that was a really cool fight yeah. that session. We pushed a dude out of out of a two story yeah, window. Yeah,
0: so I'm gonna I'm gonna get onto that uh, real quick. <laughs> so we talked about the whole like cinematic like set pieces. Like a lot of the campaigns leading up to these big like chapter end like chapter enders are your basic like you know there's something here. It's an encounter story progresses a little bit through like a social encounter it's whatever it's something against a undead or some animal or something that i've made but then we get to these like big cinematic fights and i was like all right i'm gonna bring back this barbarian that was wronged by one of our characters in the past he's like working as muscle now for these guys and the main enemy of that session was our character gwen's um abuser and that's the thing It's like, you have to talk to your players about stuff and, like, their comfort and all that and, like, what's good for the table. And you don't want to, like, just spring something onto a table not knowing. Con- content warning is super important, also oh, for yeah. fans, yep. right? And that's yep, the thing. When I, we were talking about her backstory, I was like, I asked her, I was like, how do you want me to play this guy when you come across him? And she told me, it's like, if you can make my skin crawl, you're doing it right. So I was like, all right. So I have, you're okay. You know, we'll do this in. It was a uh, just and it was a definitely like a good for her like session like Ender like all right you know she she handled it her past is cleared up because this guy's gone now but I'm like all right I want to introduce this bar- this barbarian's back he's gonna be the muscle it's gonna be him and this like fake Oracle and abuser like fled the room like a coward and I was like all right let's go it's four against two and this guy you know I homebrew a lot of stuff I, I don't really follow the book like I'm just like all right. I'm gonna give this guy you know this proficiency. He'll get these saves. He'll do this just to kind of throw something together. And I made the mistake of putting windows in a tower. So uh, I That's forgot saying, okay. that I forgot that my friend who is playing a pugilist, which is a homebrew class that I found. is basically it's like a, a strength uh, monk. It's like mm-hmm. a strength monk. He's like a street like alley boxer. One of his abilities is if he hits you, he can move you like five feet or something like that. Jeez.
3: That was so the crusher feet.
0: Yeah, they uh, the crusher feet. So yeah, it was one of the feats he picked. So they just moved this guy to the window and like punch him out the window. <laughs> completely <laughs> yeah. null completely nullifying the fight. And I was like.
2: Hey, did they see a body? Okay.
0: Yeah, there's a body. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, because there's no body, he can always come back. But um it got better because uh once that fight ended the big bad showed up on an airship fleet that they were unaware of and just started like bombarding this uh, city that they were in and i made it so it's like you guys had to run out of this like monastery tower you're in as it's like collapsing with this ship like coming through it because one of our players is like i'm going to jump on the ship and crash it <laughs> so and that's the thing it's like you have this whole like set piece like not no match just you know give me rolls like i'll describe what's going on it's like the party like fleeing this like collapsing tower like trying to save their friend from this airship and it was this whole like, almost died again almost died again the man has a urge to die and I'm trying to get into the stop <laughs> but uh and I was like all right you know what I learned. I'll figure out something for the next fight and it's like, all right, we'll go to the next fight a few sessions later that character's uh cousin shows back up not even related to the he was related to the main story he was hired to bring back one of the characters. Because the big bad is that character's mother, and she's trying to resurrect a dark god. So he's like, you and I were hired to bring them back, and you're not doing that anymore, so I'm going to have to do it. And I gave him charisma saves, I gave him wisdom saves, and I gave him con saves, and I'm like, all right, that handles most of the spells. First thing out of uh, one of the spells, can you even make me an in save? And I'm like, he has a zero modifier. Like, that's (laughs) why you gotta have
2: legendary resistances, man. I was just like, All
0: right, uh... I was like, What's the DC? And it's like 16. It's like, I failed and fucking mind slower, so incapacitates them for a turn or something like that. And it's just like, This man, I kind of alleviated because it was one against seven. So I gave him three turns in the initiative uh, per round, and he just lost all three of those rounds. And I was like, Okay, I have a fallback his attacks his attacks heal him I can get some health back doing that and you know, draw this out a little bit more first attack he gets coming out of incapacitate he misses doesn't get the heal he just doesn't survive the next round <laughs> and i'm like i can't plan for you guys because everything i do consider there's something else <laughs> like but uh
3: yeah.
0: it's just one of those things where yeah, it's like right. you know what i'm just gonna It's gonna take it as it comes. Just learn from this. You're
3: you're really gonna have to make like literally another Legion of Doom situation. Well,
0: the thing is I don't want to give every named enemy you all come across like legendary resistances or like Mm. mythic actions where when they hit zero, they come back for phase two or something like that. I don't want to like draw the fights out like Mm. unnecessarily. But it's just like What's the other? What's the third rule about being a DM? Uh, no parties, no plan survives first encounter with the party. First contact with players. Yep. yep.
3: So. <laughs> uh, uh, I wanted uh, to circle back to to the monastery fight because yeah. you mentioned the that Gwen's abuser and one of my favorite things about that fight. And I know you were like, I'm, I'm afraid this fight's going to be underwhelming. I'm I'm really happy with the way it turned out as somebody who is who's you know has watched this backstory so, develop
0: yeah i built him up to be this person in charge of a monastery he was not following to that god he was following a dark god he was corrupting it from the inside and i was like you know these people don't deserve like any kind of specialness to them these kind of characters so i'm but i was worried too i'm like they're gonna get to him and he's just gonna be a guy He's not going to have combat abilities. He's not going to have spells. He's just going to be a guy. And I was like, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, I just don't want that to be. I just don't want them to be disappointed in that, you know. But uh, it was uh, she she grabbed him and blighted him and did all of his HP into uh, the maximum from zero. So she just straight up killed him. <laughs> so I was like,
1: there's something so satisfying about that it. Too, it, yeah. it was yes.
0: And, I, and that's and what that, she was like. It felt satisfying to do it. So, and
2: the, at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? Is that yeah. the players are able to get the the satisfaction, the closure. As long as you've done a proper amount of setup, I like even if it feels abrupt, I think it's I think it's fine, right? You especially have to be careful with those like squishy, more like humanoid, but not powerful, but like socially powerful characters, because you want yeah. to give them all the lead up and like the illusion that they're like hella protected, and then when the players actually just full on disintegrate them in one round. It's like, oh, that's they weren't physically powerful or magically powerful, they were socially powerful.
0: Yeah. It was just the uh, I, I, it was the power dynamic. She was uh when she was younger, she was just like a student there and it was he was like the one level to be like the guy leading it eventually. So
3: I, I, but I do, I do think that's a powerful story because i don't think all of your abusers have to be like these briar woods where one's literally a vampire and the other one's trying to bring back a dead god like they don't have to they could just they can be just a guy it's just yeah. awful people yes just awful people
0: yeah and uh going back to something that luke had said uh doing the backstory missions you give them like an artifact or something kind of like a visage or something to kind of give them that empower like kind of feeling to them yeah um what i do is uh with certain moments of campaigns where it's deserved um uh, all my campaign all my campaigns i like the characters being tied to a deity of some kind and i give them a I give them a boon from that god it's a unique ability uh multiple sometimes multiple uses but a very like uh thematic feel to what that god and that character embodies uh with our character gwen she is an oracle so she it's an oracle class she has she can set up like the d20 rolls and adjust players rolls if she wants to um so i was like all right you're you're getting your boon from your god for doing this so you're going to get another dice for free because you have to use points to like get those rolls done and as a reaction she can now somebody as a reaction per round she can make somebody roll with disadvantage kind of like influencing that like she's a student of the god of prophecy kind of thing and uh the one that are during that monastery battle when it's collapsing are azamar just a cleric who has recently joined the campaign has never dealt with anything of this magnitude she was literally there for like a post-grad study from the cleric school (laughs) uh without hesitation, like, sprouted her wings and flew through the rubble to catch this uh, tiefling warlock that was falling off the airship, because the guy was just crazy. And her ability now is being the Clerigo of Paylor when she heals you. Uh, for, your ne- for your next turn, your attacks deal an extra d10 fire damage as, like, your weapon, like, ablazes with, like, Paylor's, cool. like, blessing. So, the thing is, like, she's always healing you, so you're just going to always want to have this, like, flaming weapon to use from it that's super cool yeah, so i, I try to the like
2: fanatic stuff is, is, is extra dope to like tie it into the world and make it feel more alive with like all these gods influence
0: yeah because the overall plot right now is there's this woman who's trying to bring back an entity uh an, an ancient evil entity it's been speaking to her uh for years just like hey you know bring me back it's not a primordial and it's not a divinity so it can bypass something set up in the world called the Primal Edict, which prevents gods and primordials from influencing the world directly. So these entities have to, like, choose a person to fight this battle. And it's like, hey, Paylor's chosen this cleric, uh, the Raven Queen has chosen this warlock. Uh, you know, you have to stop this woman from doing this. So I'm really just kind of making them feel like big damn superheroes before they get to this, like, final battle, probably against some, like, ancient, evil, semi-divine entity. So, they're gonna need it.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. And Me, that's... who can go, who can literally be invulnerable for a turn, I'm still gonna need it. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's the flip side of, like, you know, I, I
2: always hear the argument about, like, you know, some DMs are really cautious about, like, how much power they give their players, and and I kinda, I, I try to take the approach of, uh, well... The more power I give my players, the tougher enemies I can throw at them. And then I just like I was... modify all the stat blocks. I was
1: just guessing... about to say the same thing. Like, I yeah. know
2: my players have never fought rules as written Strahd for <laughs> the record. Like, <laughs> he shows up a lot that. and slaps them around. They have never like full on just like I I have given him so many spells because there's no way in the nine hells that a 400 plus year old vampire lord has like these eight spells. Nah, he's got everything if he yeah. wants it.
0: There is. I found a supplement that somebody made where they took these powerful entities like they've made they've made gods like a stat block and they made like here's better Strad, where it's like a CR like 23 Strahd instead of a CR like 16 in the book. <laughs> so it's just You were like,
2: talking about levels and like how adventures are planned for like level whatever to whatever. My players are past the end of Curse of Strahd level and they still yeah. haven't even like done like all that much of the plot. Like, I mean, they've done a fair bit, but, like, some stuff just didn't happen or happened without them. So, like, I'm just, nope, like, I'm setting Luke. up, for like, a big cinematic battle or something.
0: We lost Luke's video.
2: Oh, no. I can Did see you... him. I can see him. Sometimes, oh, I can't. Sometimes that happens.
0: Why is it showing up on well, the recording, though? So I'm going to have to slap it. I was going to say it's important <laughs> for Sharky to see it because yeah, it's <laughs> recording.
2: It's the most important one. So sometimes <laughs> you just, if you just, like, flip the video on and off a few times.
0: Nope. Or, or do that. Or rejoin. That worked. That's doesn't that's be weird. Yeah, that worked. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, I have I have the uh,
0: recording yeah. software with like the overlays, so there was like a thing where a uh, oh, was just no. flipped by the two borders. But, <laughs> it's fine. Technical errors.
3: Um yeah. you guys were mentioning I, uh, like a uh, stronger strad. I gave an ancient red dragon the eye of Vecna, so like. Oh God. <laughs> I have that set if y'all want it. <laughs> oh, mm. maybe. Yeah. <laughs>
2: i don't know yeah i like to i like to keep things i like to keep players guessing especially like especially if you do get some of those like i don't say like power gamers but like more experienced players that have maybe run through a module before like maybe are familiar with something like Mm -hmm. like and then you just you just see that look of surprise when they do something that's not in their original stat block and like yeah that's right i modified it
0: (laughs) yeah i uh i know that as more of my players start to get their boons like building up to this uh Final battle because there are still a few characters that have to get some closure to their story. Uh, I know that any baseline enemy I throw at them prior to the end of boss is probably going to get run through. So it's I, I've come to accept that at this point. <laughs> I can only hope that the uh, final boss uh, makes up for it though. So. I could just, I'm
2: excited. I could just the stat block and it's like three
0: columns of information.
2: Yep.
0: <laughs> oh. Sorry, every time, right, every, was,
2: uh... Whenever there's a mythic actions column, I'm like, alright, buckle up.
0: <laughs> Just like, alright, so... Uh, got these three pages of abilities here. Uh, this is yeah, phase perfect. one. I have this other stack here for phase two. <laughs> yeah. but, uh,
3: to be fair, yeah. yes. How <laughs> yeah. was it?
0: I'm like looking at... Like, I was like looking over the boons that I had given them, and I was like, one actually kind of sucks, so let's buff it a little bit, knowing that it's detrimental to me <laughs> in the long run. <laughs> but uh, I was like, you have
2: to balance being the player's cheerleader and also like, how do I take them? I was like, they've been
0: playing this campaign for, with me for two years, we're like probably like three or four months out from the finale, so why not just? I'm not going to hit level, we're not going to hit level 20. They're probably going to end the campaign around level 12 or 13, so i need to make them feel oh. like they're in that higher tier though yeah so oh i'm not gonna get if reload for salvador <laughs> yeah but uh epilogue because it's like if you guys end at 12 you know i'm looking at like what people get at like 13 or 14 and it's like an important ability like uh with the oracle class it's at level 14 they get the ability to use their dice against an enemy instead of just on their team and i'm like she's not going to reach that so let's give her this boom that kind of gives her that feeling though of it where it's like hey you can just impose disadvantage as reaction on something hmm. rather than trying to use the dice so it's like i don't want to rob them of like the full feel of their class but uh, so it's like i know we're not going to make it to that point by the end of this so but uh yeah this has been a great talk guys absolutely yeah, it's been yeah.
3: nice it it's, it's really cool out. to have it's really cool to have all of these like we're all pretty like-minded it, at least as far as we go, go to like tabletop and you know and it, it isn't it isn't so like-minded as it becomes like an echo chamber but it's like yeah i, I know what you're talking about when you talk about that
0: what i really yeah. wanted to do with this is get the uh the different styles in that's why mm-hmm. i went to Luke, I was like, he runs a West Marches style game. He's the only person I know that runs as a runs a West Marches style, so he'll have some good input on that. And then we have Pira, who runs Publish adventures, fairly new DM, also, uh, which is good to have because me and Decker are kind of experienced. I've been playing since twenty six uh, two thousand six, and I started with three point five. So, <laughs> uh, and I, I've gone I, uh... through three point five Pathfinder fourth edition, fifth edition.
2: I'm I'm a baby man. I'm stretching out like I've been I've been like trying to get like like uh, uh either World of Darkness or, like a Call of Cthulhu game going because every campaign
3: I run turns horror anyways. So yeah. I was actually going to say I have that's that's one of the things I like about the Tuesday game for Dire Bear is that we've played Vampire the Masquerade. We've played Scion second edition. We've played uh Esper Genesis which is like 5e in space. Yeah, it's just um, space 5e. It's just space 5e. <laughs> And it's then just I've the same I pl- rule set, I've,
0: just different, like space stuff.
3: There also isn't a barbarian or a bard class, or there wasn't the last time I checked.
0: But there's a space yet. tech equivalent.
3: No, uh, there isn't. Yeah, yet. I, I have it. I need to
0: read. I have a bookcase of systems that I have oh, yet to play. Same, so oh, yeah. yeah. I have, if I go upstairs, in my book, it's like I got Call of Cthulhu, I got, uh pathfinder first and second edition that i haven't run i've played in pathfinder first edition i got cult divinity lost which i want to play but that is definitely a game where you need to have players that know what they're getting into um mm-hmm. and you have to have a i got the dishonored
2: talk. rpg and i'm just like yeah. i'm like i have so Ooh. many books to read before i get to it but it's so exciting because i love this weird steampunk shadow magic bullcrap
0: Yeah, uh, Colt is a whole different monster, though. It's like intended for mature audiences. Like the themes in it are definitely something like I need you guys to tell me if you're not cool with some of this before we get started. So it's a game that I want to run, but I just don't know uh, if there is anybody to run it with. Because I like to push myself as a DM also when it comes to stuff like that. Same. Can I can I run a game that has this kind of stuff as like a core concept to it? Do yeah, I feel comfortable awesome. enough running yeah. that? Like, I can run it fine as a number, but can I like feel comfortable doing that kind of story and describing stuff going on and stuff like that? It's definitely like a test of like, all right, where is my comfort level for me? Because, You're limit testing yourself. Because this D and D game, you know, we've had we've had like abusers, we've had uh like children being kidnapped and experimented on. Uh we've had like a bunch of family drama and all this other stuff. We've had like very real like things happen, but it hasn't really like pushed anything like further.
3: Wait till you get uh... to my family drama.
0: (laughs) Dekka came to me with his character idea. He's like, I want to play a baby boomer elf that wants to make Atlantis great again. (laughs) And I was like so yeah yeah, he's a gunslinger elf from atlantis trying to figure out how to get his uh, trying to figure out how to get his continent out of this like slump that has been in for centuries
3: see when you say it like that you make it sound (laughs) like he's a shitty person but he's actually pretty good (laughs) i did i did in fairness had the have a on my hero forge i just had like a concept that's like boomer elf that sat there for like three months until Sharky was like hey i'm running a game do you want to play I'm like i'm using boomer. that one. sometimes it just
2: has to metastasize into like the right thing i like i have like three or four yeah. like hero forge hero forge characters that have just sat there i have no idea what they are but they're gonna be something at mm-hmm. some point but... i did get to play one I got, I got to play a i got to play a um surprise surprise tiefling himbo who's also a wizard mm-hmm. and he doesn't realize he's squishy because he's like a farm boy and he just, like, found a spellbook in the attic that was, like, his grandfather's.
0: Half of our So he's like, is
2: awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, Half- this is really cool, and I'm going to go do stuff. And he's got, like, he's, like, actually got a high strength score, but he's a wizard, so it doesn't matter.
0: Half of our male cast in this game are playing low-intelligent, just himbo characters.
2: It's, it's an archetype. It works. We and have... You don't have to be a barbarian to do it.
0: <laughs> we have the Pugilist and a Justicar, who are built like fridges. <laughs> and they're just like the most polite guys, and then we have this who we call the bisexual disaster tiefling warlock. <laughs> so that just... you have to have.
2: Yep. That is also like... probably extremely androgynous, right?
0: That is pretty yeah. uh, male leaning, I believe. Oh, okay, got he's, well, that, got, he's that's,
2: got
3: that's the, a trend. He's got the boyish good looks. But it was uh, funny because maybe.
0: his cousin was the one that got hit with the int save. And we are like, Gwen wow. woke up and realized that the Rose family was fucking stupid. <laughs> like, like They have all the charisma, but they're fucking stupid. <laughs> and I was like, you know, it tracks. Like, I guess it tracks. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess we'll uh, call it there, guys. Yeah. I appreciate right. uh, Luke and Pira for coming out tonight and taking yeah, part in you this so review. Much. I would love to get you guys back uh, down the line if we have a topic that we think you might uh, enjoy talking about. Definitely bring you a, a back esports. from
3: eSports. Definitely. An <laughs> yeah, episode a here over episode, for sure. <laughs> um, Send me up.
0: But yeah, it's uh, been a pleasure uh, talking to you guys. And uh, for our audience, as always, I will put the links to both of these guys' uh, stuff uh, down in the description. Uh, links to the Game Room Twitch. Links to uh, Covens and Cauldrons, as well as the DM Guild site. Uh, definitely uh, check out some of that stuff. But um, yeah, this has been the Without Context podcast. Uh, if you guys have anything you want to leave on, any uh, give a shout out to anybody.
2: Mm, thanks for having me to all y'all. Uh, and uh, may all your roles be crits. Oh, I like that.
3: I, the only thing I have, uh, Sharky, what episode are we on? 27.
0: No, right. 28. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've actually decided I'm just going to stop saying the episode number because every time <laughs> we start with the episode number, we have to double check which one we're on.
3: <laughs> you have to do- ne- never mind. It's fine. One of those podcasts.
0: It is one of those podcasts. <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah. Thank you guys for coming out. As always, uh, I am Sharky Hat and I'm joined here by Volte, and we'll see you all on the next episode. See you guys later. Bye! Doodles.
3: Bye!